Amen. Thank you so much, Chuck and Taryn. Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with you today. And um, we're opening up God's Word. We're going to continue in our series called Growing Up. And it's a series exploring what it means to grow in maturity with Jesus. And today we're going to be in John chapter 13. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, either a physical one or on a phone or whatever, you can be looking that up now. We're going to be talking today about growing in humility. And, and really to talk about humility, we need to talk about what's on the other side of the coin, and that's pride. Now, I want to draw your attention to something that maybe you haven't noticed in the last 30 seconds or so since I've been talking. I want to draw your attention to these flowers over here. Look at these lovely now, I'd say I know nothing about flowers. I don't actually know if these look nice or not, but you be the judge. But these flowers, they look nice enough to my eyes. They're actually called poison hemlock. Now, poison hemlock, as the name suggests, is highly poisonous. It can cause dizziness, trembling, slowing of the heartbeat, muscular paralysis, and respiratory failure. Easy for you to say. And I can feel physically in the room everyone backing away from me slowly as I'm saying this. Uh, just, just to kind of put your fears to rest, it just resembles poisonous hemlock. I didn't actually bring it in. There would maybe be some issues with that. But obviously, this is something, poison hemlock is something that you would never dream of putting in a vase in your house and putting it on display, right? Like, that would be a crazy thing to do. But if you didn't know that it was poisonous, you might think, it looks all right. It looks quite nice. It actually matches the little candles and the pots and the plants there. Like, yeah, it kind of blends in. And yeah, it's okay, actually. And we might not really notice that it's there. We might just kind of live with it sitting on our shelf. And I think it's the same with pride in our lives. You know, it's something that can seem pretty harmless on the surface, but actually it's something that is toxic, it's dangerous for us. And we can so easily make space for it on the shelf of our life. It takes up space that should be reserved for worshiping God and serving others. And instead that becomes a space dedicated to worship, worshiping and serving ourselves. I think pride can slip in because often we probably don't really see it as much of a big deal. Nobody wants to be called proud, but we could probably list, you know, multiple sins that are, are really worse, right? But actually, what we see in the Bible is that pride is something God takes really seriously. In Proverbs 16:5, it says this, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Elsewhere, it talks about how God opposes the proud and lifts up the humble. Another translation says that pride is like an abomination to God. And as I've been preparing for this morning and trying to, you know, get my head around this concept, I mean, I've asked the Lord, I've said, Lord, how do you view pride? Like, what does it look like for you? And I had this image in my head that was it just wasn't nice it was really dark actually it was of a person sitting with their fingers wedged in their ears and their eyes tightly shut and they were just sitting in this room and then as the scene kind of zoomed out it, they were sat in a prison cell and I think God is so against us having pride in our lives for multiple reasons one of them being I think that God knows that pride is a prison for us that we can construct around our lives, that, that robs us of joy and rich life. And God's saying, I don't want that for you. I don't want you to have that. 
And there's loads of definitions I've been reading around humility that describe it as freedom from pride. And so I think a big part of that walking out of that prison of pride is learning to walk in humility. And so the question we want to wrestle with today is, how do I like, identify and reject pride in my heart? And how do I grow instead in humility? So with so many things, Jesus is our ultimate example. And so we're going to read from John 13, chapter 1. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Well then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my head and my hands as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who, what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, no messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Amen. Wow. There's so much in that passage for us. It's such a beautiful part of scripture that we've just read there. But if we want to walk away from pride and grow in humility, firstly, we need to allow ourselves to be loved by Jesus. Now, growing up, uh, my dad was a minister, and I remember when I was about 16, being at a prayer meeting at our church, uh, and after reading this passage, John 13, uh, my dad read that, and then he got out a basin of water, and he said to everyone, I want to wash your feet. If you're comfortable with that, take off your shoes, take off your socks, uh, and if you're not, that's totally okay. And so he did. And so I remember everyone sat in this circle of chairs. My dad gets down on his hands and knees, and he's going from person to person, washing their feet. Some people kept their shoes on. Some people took them off. And he was getting closer and closer to where I was sitting. And I didn't want to do it. And one of the reasons was I thought, I'm quite far down the line. And the more feet that get put in that water, the dirtier it's, I can see it's getting dirtier and dirtier as time goes on. And there was one guy who took off his socks and like the amount of fluff was unbelievable. And there was just this layer on top. I was like, I'm not sure I'm, not sure I'm keen for this. It was unbelievable. And then dad got to me and he saw that I'd kept my shoes on and he just smiled at me and moved on to the next person. And I felt uncomfortable, but 
it wasn't really because of how clean the water was, or it wasn't really because it was a bit of an unusual situation to be in. The thing was, I hadn't been pre-warned that this was going to happen, right? Like, no one said, we're going to do the feet washing thing today in church. And so I didn't get a chance to bathe my feet and have a pedicure and get a pumice stone, pumice stone, whatever it's called, and get that little bowling alley spray that you put in your shoes and all that. I didn't get a chance to prep. And so I was like, I don't know what condition my feet are going to be in. And I just thought the thought of my, of taking my, my shoes and my socks off and dad seeing these sweaty, horrible feet, I was just like, oh, I don't want to do that. It's too much. You know, the reality is love doesn't shy away from the ugly parts in our lives. It felt like an unusual thing for my dad to be washing people's feet. But for the disciples, what Jesus did in that moment was unthinkable. You know, it was seen as, as lowly. It was seen as degrading at that time. You know, and this is a time of dusty roads and open-toed sandals. And, you know, feet would not have been clean. They would have been calloused and dusty and dirty. This was a job that was really for the slaves to do, like the lowest of the low. And then here comes Jesus. The disciples would never have seen someone of a higher status like than them, you know, a teacher, their master, getting down on his knees and washing their feet. So we can understand Peter's reaction that we just read about, right? Where, where he says to Jesus, no, you will never wash my feet. Peter's right. He's thinking, this is a man who I love and respect more than anyone in the world. I don't want him to touch my feet. I don't want him to be brought low and to come into contact with the ugly parts of me. The first step away from pride and towards humility is to embrace Jesus' love. It's to submit to his love. Really embracing the fact that he loves us in our brokenness, even with the ugly areas of our hearts that we all have. We have to submit to his love and allowing him to serve us in this way. Weirdly, it might seem like humility to refuse to let Jesus do this, right? You know, I'm, I'm not worthy enough. You know, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. You know, I know, Jesus, that you've washed other people's feet, but, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know the person that I've been. It's, it's not good. I'm not good enough. I'm not ready for this right now. You know, but, but if I can change, you know, if I can put some distance between me and my sin, and if I can be a better person and really work on myself, maybe in time, maybe then, Jesus, I could come to you. Maybe then you could wash my feet. It might feel like there's a grain of humility in that. But in reality, all we're saying in that moment is I can fix this. I can repair my mistakes. I don't need anyone else. And that's, that's just pride. It looks like humility, but it's pride. We're never going to get there. We're never going to reach a point where we are worthy enough for Jesus to touch our feet. For us to shatter the pride in our hearts, we need to surrender to him. We need to see what he has offered us by serving us, by laying his life down for us on the cross and say, even though I don't deserve any of this, Jesus, even though I could never earn it, I'm going to accept it because you're giving it to me. We recently welcomed um, the latest addition to our family, little baby Leo, um, which was lovely. And uh, it made me think about a quote that I heard um, a few years ago that I really loved about being a parent. Um, now, I'm aware that not everyone watching this will be a parent, and please hear that this 
quote is not meant to imply in any way that being a parent is some goal that we all need to aspire to or whatever, but it just personally resonated with me. So um, the quote was this, being a parent ruins your life in the best way possible. And that resonated with me massively because I think of all the fun things that I got to do before I had kids. I get to think of all the nights I, you know, go to the cinema, maybe go to a restaurant or, you know, just the amount of time I had to spend with friends. And like, as soon as that baby, as soon as our first baby came into our lives, everything changed. All of our priorities shifted into caring for this little human And even though it's hard some days, even though some days you're like, oh, I really want to go out and do all this stuff, it's amazing. It's such a lovely thing, and it's a total privilege and gift from God. And that quote, it ruined my life in the best possible way. I get that. I think it's the same when we surrender to Jesus. Giving your life to Jesus ruins your life in the best possible way. And so in that moment of surrender for the first time, we see how much he loves us and and where we are right now in our sin. We see where we are and we see where he wants to take us. We don't want to live for ourselves anymore. We want to live for him. And we see our pride starting to be dismantled and taken apart. And our priorities that were once consumed, you know, about us and our world and our little bubble, it starts to shift and it starts to become about him. Our lives won't be the same once we've met him. And maybe this morning you don't know that freedom. You don't have that that ruined life, if you like, that is much better than any life you could have outside of it. But it's available to all of us. Maybe you've been following Jesus for years and you think this morning, I'm not sure I feel that way anymore. Maybe your priorities right now are the things that are taking center stage in your life. Maybe pride has crept back in. Maybe you're not sure if you're in a place where you're fully surrendered and fully alive in Jesus. There's this beautiful moment in Revelation where there's a call from Jesus to the church. He says, return to your first love. Return to the things you used to do. Return to that blazing passion that you once had. When we do that, when we return to Jesus and we see him for who he is and how he serves, how he loves us, pride just goes. False humility just starts to go because we see how unworthy we are and how worthy he is and how he gives all of himself to us. There is an invitation from God today in this moment to surrender afresh to him, to lay aside your pride and say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Even though I don't deserve the gift that you're given me, that you won for me in your death, I want to take it. Wow. So this first step towards humility is this surrendering to Jesus' love. Next, we need to learn how to love like Jesus. Um, In the last couple of years, I've really got into making videos, shooting them, editing them. And I'm lucky enough that I get to do that as part of my role at church I I love it. Pretty much any free time I have, I'm just pouring over these videography channels on YouTube and just trying to soak up as much of it as I can. And so often I'll watch something, I just think, wow, how did they film that? 
You know, how could someone create that? That's so incredible. You may have no interest in hearing this whatsoever. My wife certainly doesn't. But I just need to get it out right now. But I, I love it. And I love it in particular when you watch something that you're like, how did they do that? And then next they'll release a little video that's like behind the scenes. It's like, here's what we did. And it's always some like bizarre thing. Like the guy's like, oh, to get that shot, you need to take your camera and put it inside a crisp packet and hold it up to the sun and do this weird thing. Or you need to gaffer tape it to the ceiling or whatever. And you're like, what? And then you try it and it totally works. I love it. These shots that seemed impossible to pull off before are totally doable now. Because someone has left the steps for you to follow. Something that initially seemed out of reach has a roadmap. And when we're talking about learning how to love like Jesus, that might seem out of reach. That might seem impossible. But in verse 15, after he's washed his disciples' feet, Jesus invites us to follow his roadmap. He says this, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And living this kind of outwardly humble and servant-hearted way is not only possible, Jesus shows us how to do it. And I just want to pull really quickly two things I think Jesus is modeling for us as he washes the disciples' feet. The first thing is he values others above himself. In Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Paul says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. It sounds good, right? It's really hard to do. That's hard to do because you know, maybe, maybe we could see that us doing our, that for our friends or our close um, or our family or our close friends. But that isn't what the verse in Ephesians is saying. It's not saying, you know, value those people that you love and value those people that are going to, you know, give back to you. It just, it doesn't have that caveat. It's just value others, value everyone. And Jesus commands us repeatedly to do that. Don't just love your neighbor, love your enemy, love those who persecute you. You think, God, that's hard. You know, I'm not sure I want to serve those people. Did you see what she did to me? Did you hear what he said behind my back? I'm hurting God. I don't want to serve them. And yet we see Jesus modeling this because let's not forget when he's washing the feet of the disciples, who is in the room? It's Judas. Jesus knows what Judas is going to do. You know, this man he called a friend who'd been following him all this time, he knows Judas is going to betray him and hand him over to the authorities to suffer an agonizing death. And yet Jesus still humbles himself. Jesus still serves Judas. And I, just, oh, I just think so often I struggle to serve the people in my family. So often I find it hard to admit when I was wrong. I find it hard to humble myself in front of them. Never mind people who can be difficult. Again, this isn't easy to do. But actually, with Jesus' help, we can do it. It might be this morning that you know someone that's hurt you. And even though it's hard, you're, it's, you're holding on to that hurt. And there's an opportunity to let go of that today and to forgive. And our pastors would love to pray with you online this morning if that's something you want to do. Pride will actually keep us in that place of heart, of being wrong. But Jesus invites us to let go of that. Maybe they don't deserve forgiveness for what they've done to us, but the truth is we don't either. We, like Judas, have betrayed Jesus more than once. We've went our own way, 
he invites us to follow his example and to let go of where we've been wronged and forgive. Jesus calls us to place more value on others, and that includes those who, wrongs us, who wrong us. He calls us to love them. There's this great leveling of the playing field in verse 14. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. And no one is above anyone else in this scenario. There's no room for pride. Each of you must wash the other's feet. We're all the same. Finally, Jesus models humility from a place of deep security. In verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and had come from God and was returning to God. And John here is painting this picture of Jesus being in complete control in this moment. He knows what he's doing and he knows why he's doing it. He's able to value himself above, he's able to put uh, other people above himself while remaining completely himself with all the power and authority that he has. And we can make the mistake of thinking valuing others more than ourselves equals weakness. We can think to be humble is to be weak. Because it might look like pride has all this confidence and humility has all this timidity. Pride is extrovert, humility is introvert. But we don't see any weakness in Jesus here in these verses as he serves his friends. We see the opposite. I used to think I must be quite humble because naturally I'm, I'm shy. I'm a shy person. I'm introverted. I don't like being the center of attention. So I just always thought, well, pride's not much of an issue for me. You know, we can think the same. If we're someone who battles with low self-esteem, self-worth, self-image, I'm not really proud. You know, I don't, I don't think great things about myself. But you think, well, what's the connecting word with all those things there? It's self, isn't it? Even though it seems like humility to have this low view of ourselves, it's not. It's all wrapped up in us, in our world, how we're viewed by other people, what we think we're owed by them. It's pride all over again. And that's not the kind of humility Jesus calls us to. We can live out our lives with this deep need for affirmation from other people. You know, do you see me? Do you, do you love me? Do you accept me? Do I have a place here? And I don't think the problem is that these are, are bad questions necessarily. Because I think we all have these questions to some extent. But I think the problem is often they're directed to the wrong people. When we're living our lives looking for those answers in other people. And what they can do for us. How they can make us feel. It feeds that sense of self. But when we direct those questions to Jesus. His answer is an immediate resounding yes. Yes I see you. Yes I love you. Yes I accept you. Yes you have an eternal place with me. Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long, and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound better? Jesus calls us to anchor our lives on him, the rock, and to rest secure in him. And when we do that, we gain security that's greater than any person could give us. And so we don't look for affirmation in the wrong places. So a great question to ask ourselves this morning is where do I get my sense of security? That sense of, of self, is it in others or do I find that in Jesus? And that humility can grow when we're secure in him. So for us to grow in humility, we need to surrender to Jesus' love. We need to follow his example 
in valuing others above ourselves and finding our security in the Father. We're just going to take a minute to um, just invite the Lord to, to come. I realize we've maybe like covered a lot of stuff this morning, but I, just as I was praying, I just felt it feels like the right to just ask the Lord to highlight, is there any area of pride in my life, Lord, that you want me to surrender? Maybe it's hiding in plain sight. Maybe on the outside it looks nice. But actually, we don't want that in our life. It's poison to us. So let's just do that. Lord, we invite you to come right now. And God, we want to bring our hearts, our whole lives before you. Lord, would you just bring up to the surface anything in us that's not of you, that isn't helping us, that we need to surrender, Lord. And we're just going to wait for a moment. And if you feel that the Lord has, has maybe highlighted something in this moment, I just encourage you, just, just give that to him. Maybe it's something you've had for a long time in your life, but you know, we just want to like take that, physically take that off the shelf of our lives. Hand that over to him. And I just believe that in, its, in pride's place, in, in that, that thing that we surrender, the Lord just wants to bless us even more. And so Lord, would you just fill that space? Thank you, Jesus. It might be this morning that as we've been talking about all of this, you, you know that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You know that you've never given your yes to him. And if, that, if that's you, we would love to make an opportunity right now for you to do that. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer in a minute and you can just repeat that um, after me. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, if you're ready to surrender your whole life to him, if you're ready to be willing to let him touch your feet this morning and to make you clean, then let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you for what you did for me on the cross. And right now I surrender all to you, Lord. I give you my sin. give you my mistakes. I say sorry. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? I'm ready to start this new adventure of life with you. Help me to live with you and for you. Amen.